0: Riding into this world, all alone. God takes your soul. You're on your own. The crow flies straight. The perfect line. You're on the devil's bed until you die. You gotta look this life. What's going on, everyone? Date is November 2nd, 2012, at Free Admission for Real at com Also on iTunes, my name is JP Nichols, bringing to you the latest edition of Be Nice to Impact or Not for the November 1st, 2012 edition of TNA Impact. Overall, an enjoyable show. I would not say a good show, necessarily, but it was certainly an improvement upon the last two weeks that TNA's has uh, put on for television in terms of giving focus, leading out of Bound for Glory. Lots of short matches tonight. Uh, nothing overly notable, but again, there was a general sense of direction, which to me is a vast improvement over the last two weeks, even though there wasn't a match that was necessarily as good as Kurt Angle and Jeff Hardy from last week's show, it just felt like it had much more focus, and let's get right into it. I guess the show actually opened up with a dedication to Brad Armstrong, who unfortunately passed away yesterday, which was a very classy move on TNA's part. We actually opened up the show with Joseph Park, which, it's very unfortunate that, um, his entrance was not seen on television, uh, simply for the fact that Joseph Park had some absolutely amazing music to enter to for the live crowd. It almost sounded like an instrumental version of I Want to Be a Hulkamaniac, which uh, got a particularly big laugh out of me. And he was in the ring, ready to wrestle, and he was still acting like a nervous uh, attorney and says he wanted to challenge a member of bases and aides to fight, but because of the civil rights violations committed against him. He explained that Hogan hasn't got, given him permission to wrestle, but his fellow attorneys at Park, Parkin' Park found a loophole since this open fight night. This brought out four members of Aces and Aids, uh, which Park was already immediately afraid on account of the fact that he only wanted one of them. But then Kurt Angle ran out and quickly put the punches to them before they decided to gang up on him. Numbers got uh, got to them, and then Sting came out with a bet. Uh, Aces and Eights bailed. And Sting vowed that a member of Aces and Eats would have their mask ripped off tonight. So, overall, um, in comparison to the usual opening promo segment that TNA dishes out, this one actually felt more concise and actually put in a general direction to expect for the remainder of the show. Although, it's sort of annoying, in a sense, to say that... Uh, that just flat out give away that they're going to reveal who one of the members are tonight. Although I suppose, you know, it's a promise that should entice fans to continue watching throughout the show as opposed to just having Sting say, oh, we're just going to fight tonight. You know, it's the usual, usual method that TNA has seemingly been going with the Aces and Eights angle. We had Jesse complaining to Tara backstage that he had an ear infection and blamed it on ODB uh, from slapping him last week. And Tara said that he had his back, and Jesse said he needed to be sterilized, so ODB rubbed oil all over him. Yeah, i <laughs> will leave it at that. Uh, we had Magnus come out, uh, who challenged Samoa Joe. He said that Joe wasn't the image that Impact Wrestling needed for their TV title. He said Joe had a face uh, was very similar to Howard Stern in that he had a face for radio. And Samojo decided to interrupt this, and we had a match between Samojo and Magnus. I don't think the TV title was on the line. I would assume not. I, they never specified, but I digress. match itself was actually pretty good for the time it got. Like, they packed in a lot of action, and it about the four minutes that the match actually went on. Uh, match didn't really go... Um, I mean, right when the match was getting pretty hot, it decided to end, uh, when Magnus actually managed to grab a wrench from under the ring, and he nailed Samoa Joe in the head with it, causing the DQ and giving Joe the win. We then had uh, Sting and Joe Park backstage talking to Hogan when Angle barged in, saying he wanted Devon tonight. Hogan told him that Bully Ray had Devon, but Angle could have whatever's left of him at turning point. Uh, Wes Briscoe and Garrett Bischoff were also present for the segment. We then had uh, Samo Joe cutting a very, very, very angry promo on Magnus Backstage, uh, just basically informing Magnus that he had completely messed up by getting involved in this type of sense. Uh, Magnus merely escaped and that he wants a rematch with no rules because Joe is going to kill you. We had some highlights of Austin Aries attacking Jeff Hardy at the end of Impact last week and had a shot of Jeff Hardy painting his face uh, backstage, and we got to hear... Jeff Hardy's thoughts. I'm hoping that this is a weekly tradition, because it personally gets a big laugh out of me, at least. We then had uh, Christopher Daniels and Kazarian make their way to the ring in a rather amazing segment, to be quite honest, in terms of hilarity. Again, unfortunate that they decided to cut to commercial at a point in the segment, but before I get to that, we had Kazarian saying that he was amused that Sting wants to, uh, well, excuse me, Heath. Wanted to unmask the aces and eights because he was the biggest fraud. The biggest frauds in the company are Hernandez and Chavo. Last week they told the truth and apparently offended the amigos in the back. Daniel said that they'd get their title rematch at turning point, but since it is open fight night, the uncrowned champions they want to call out a man that's a part of a very famous Mexican family in wrestling as well as a very strong man Hector Guerrero and Willie Urbina. They apparently went to commercial break at this point, which is very devastating for anyone who actually watched Impact, because Christopher Daniels and Kazarian, I don't know if I've mentioned it previously, but they are by far the most hated people in the Impact Zone. Pretty much none of the fans seem to care for them at all, and Christopher Daniels and Kazarian take full advantage of that. As uh, the fans were chanting, we want Hector, Christopher Daniels was... uh, Mocking them, saying, "Oh, continue with it." And he was uh, saying he wants Hector as well. And instead of clapping along, he decided to pelvic thrust while chanting, he, "We want Hector," which was rather hysterical. Two of them decided to further taunt fans, including telling one fan how his hat was horrible, and the fan nearly actually almost jumped the rail with <laughs> out of anger for these two. It seemed, and really just. They, do- they were not very nice to many people in the impact zone. It was rather amazing, honestly. Just because you never see wrestlers anymore get the type of hatred that these two seem to have. They really have a gift right now, and big props for the two of them for this. Coming out of the commercial break, uh, Hector was mad at all the Hispanic-themed jokes that Daniels and Kazarian were throwing. Daniels shoved him, and Hector tried to fight back, but Kazarian knocked him down and uh, knocked Willi Urbina down. And Chavon Hernandez came out to uh, make the save. Daniels was bailed very quickly. Daniels was saying, Oh, now you want to take it seriously. So we got some good continuation uh, building up for their tag title match at Turning Point. And then had a video, uh, look, pretty much the same video from last week, looking at Christian York as he made his way to the ring. We also had a segment with ODB yelling at Eric Young on her phone about not being here for open fight night and also wants more fried chicken we then had a gut check challenge match between christian york and zima ion by far and away i would say out of the gut check matches that have taken place by far and away the most enjoyable match out of all of them christian york was in very tremendous shape uh... and he he busted out a lot of really cool stuff busting out like a half and half uh... suplex much like uh... el generico does Uh managed to do a very nice cannonball sent on in the corner. Uh match was really, really good for the time that it got for four minutes. And actually it's unfortunate because like right when it peaked, uh like it seemed like it was gonna get really good, it decided to end after uh Zima Ion tossed uh uh Christian York into the ring and put him in his uh very difficult to describe submission, uh that nearly broke uh Christian York's arm in the process. But The match itself was really enjoyable. Um, The crowd was really into it, actually, probably more into it than basically any other match on the show, which is uh, really a credit to the two of them for the type of match that they were, considering that we had a Jeff Hardy match uh, not too far after this, as well as Bully Ray and Devon later in the show. And Christian, uh, Christian York, I just—it was really just a sight just to even see him, just for the fact that this guy has been around the business for a very long time. I'm trying to remember when exactly he made his debut. I want to say—I mean, well, at minimum, he's been around since 2001. uh... I mean, obviously, well oh, before that, excuse me, from ECW, but he's definitely at least been wrestling since like the mid-90s, and he really had not lost a step at all. And from what I can tell online, the poll is pretty large in terms of uh, uh, I believe 95% of people are saying that they should uh, TNA should sign him, and I imagine that they will sign him if only for the fact that he had such an impressive performance. And considering he, he it's not like he's that old. I mean, if I'm correct, he's only mid 30s. I mean, I believe they addressed that in the video as well. And I mean, really, just adding more faces to the X Division. It really would be a good thing, considering that they need them at this point. Uh, considering Kenny King and Sanjay Dutt are seemingly M.I.A., and then pretty much the only other members of the division are uh, Zaymion, uh, Joey Ryan, I would assume, and Rob Van Dam, the champion. So definitely a solid match. Definitely worth checking out, especially especially for anyone that was a uh, you know, at one point, uh, saw Christian York in the past, and if anything, it's just like a draw to say, wow, now he's back on television. We then had Austin Aries walking around backstage with the uh, TNA World Heavyweight title, not the one that Jeff Hardy is currently carrying. He says he still considers himself a champion, because that's all that he is about, and then he walks uh, into a room and meets with the Robbies. We had Bully Ray backstage meeting with Garrett Bischoff. Garrett says Ray will take care of business, but if he needs him, he will be there. Ray said that he appreciated it and they shook cans. Uh, someone told them that aces and eights are outside and they joined Sting and Angle and they have a brawl in the parking lot. Uh, one of them taunted Ray and Ray chased after him. Uh, rest run away and Sting says that the night is still young. Then we got a match. Ugh. I don't even know what to say about this next one. On top of the fact, before I even get into it, just consider this fact. This next match was at the top of the hour of this impact, which, based on what I've described, uh, I would say has been a very enjoyable show up to this point in terms of pacing. And then this match had to happen. We had ODB coming to the ring, and said, says that it's open fight night. It's calling out the, and I quote eyebrow tweezing, chest waxing, overrated abs, working out seven days a week, egg white beater eater, fake tannin, Tara's little boy toy, Hollywood TMZ wannabe, Big Brother reject Jesse. Yeah. And says, get out here and meet your big sister. And that brought out Jesse from Big Brother and Tara to the ring. And this match, (laughs) this match sucked. I don't know what else I can really say about that. Uh, not that I don't think a single person expected it not to suck, but this really sucked. Like, there have been some bad matches uh, in TNA this year. Um, Garrett Bischoff and Gunner from the very beginning of the year comes to mind, which was on the February pay-per-view. Um, there have been some bad television matches in terms of, like, booking, like when Sting went over Bobby Roode two weeks in a row in May and June. But And there have been some bad women's matches, too, particularly when uh, Velvet was still regularly wrestling. But um, this match was very bad. Very, very bad. Lots of bad comedy, bad wrestling, bad yeah. Taryn Terrell being the referee that she decides to be. And God. <laughs> the finish came after ODB had spanked uh, Jesse got her a few times. And then Tara got up on the apron and distracted her. ODB grabbed her. And then Jesse rolled her up 1-2-3 for the win. After about the longest 5 minutes of all time. Not a good match. Very bad match. Probably one of the worst of the year for TNA. I might be stretching it when I say that. I I just thought this match was absolutely terrible. If you're a person that uh, likes to watch bad wrestling, then this is the match for you. But if you do not like to watch bad wrestling whatsoever, avoid at all costs. That is all I can say about this. We then had the Robbies make their way out to the ring. Uh, Robbie said everyone knows that he beat Jeff Hardy in the Bound for Glory series. Um... And planned to make lightning strike twice, and calls out Jeff Hardy for a match in a non-title match. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Robbie E. In a match that went, probably uh, it went longer than any other match on the show. It went about seven or eight minutes, and uh, this I mean around this point of the show, it was just sort of like this show began to drag between the last match, which I will not repeat the name, and this match because in this match Robbie E had a lot of offense on jeff hardy though no, before jeff hardy made his comeback and got the victory with swanton and i just can't quite understand why they decided to do it with this match because it's like i mean robbie i has like pretty much beaten absolutely no one in the last year barring like a few exceptions I jeff hardy being one of them even if that was by a fluke and for robbie to get this much offense on the world champion i don't know It just did not really hit home with me very well. Match itself was decent, but when looking in the context of the fact that Robbie E is essentially the equivalent of a Santino or Zack Ryder for TNA, and that's not because of uh, Jersey Shore or anything like that. It's just because of the way that the uh, three of them are booked. It's just like, I looked at it as the equivalent of like, if Santino were to get in a ton of offense on Sheamus. And it just did not really hit home with me, but... If you're able to look at the match without that context match itself was okay uh uh Hardy put in his usual comeback uh Robbie e got in some fine offense, including uh hitting him with his implant DDT finisher, which uh led to a okay near fall I suppose crowd didn't care simply for the fact that Robbie E hasn't pretty much won anything in forever especially with his finisher but uh Jeff Hardy won. And this led to Austin Aries coming out to ruin Jeff's celebration. Aries made fun of Jeff's ugly belt and says that the only difference between them is three seconds. And he said that he's still the best and has been the most dominant man in the company since uh, he arrived in TNA. He went through everyone to get to the top and says Jeff knocked him off the top of the heap. But at turning point, the title will officially be his again. Jeff says they need to do this the right way at the pay-per-view. He goes outside the ring and pulls out a ladder and he climbs up and sits on top and says the title match will be a ladder match. Eric says he's a pro wrestler, not a ladder climber, and was not happy with this decision. So we now have a bit of a differentiation on the main event, which I am personally okay with, but I'll get more into that uh after uh getting through this next few segments here. Which we then had footage of Matt Morgan running in on Hogan's Beach Shop, which opened up this past Saturday in Clearwater, Florida. Uh, Morgan stole the robe that Hogan wore in Shea Stadium, and then had James Storm meeting with Hulk Hogan backstage, and they discussed their conversation from last week. And Storm said he took his time and he wants his chance. Hogan says he may have an idea for him, and Bobby Roode made his way to the ring, and he said he's back for Open Fight Night, but is here only to state effect and that he's getting screwed once again. Hogan had the chance to choose a contender for the title last week, but he wasn't one of them. Since Aries isn't champ anymore, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to challenge for the title, but Hogan knew Rude would have won the title had he gotten the opportunity. This brought AJ Styles out to the ring. AJ asked if Rude was going to sit here and cry about not getting a shot, and he reminds him that uh, Rude held the belt longer than anyone in TNA history, so stop complaining about it. AJ said that he had to deal with issues that weren't even about him pictures and videos of him getting into an elevator with someone of the opposite sex. And me, pretty. I don't know how to even look at this line. uh, He made a line, and I quote, saying, Seems to be the new fad if your name is AJ. I mean. Ugh. These type of lines that TNA like to throw out every now and then. I understand that WWE is essentially uh, pulling a bit of a carbon copy in terms of the storyline that TNA did this year, but that doesn't mean you have to acknowledge it anymore. Uh, that's just how I look at it. And AJ was calling out Rude right now for a match, and Rude said he's not here to fight, so the answer is no. Uh, AJ turned around, I mean, out of disappointment, then rude, decided to attack AJ from behind, and AJ fought back, sent him to the floor, and it looked like he was gonna dive, but Hogan's music hit, and he came to the stage with James Storm. Hogan says that he's heard them, and that uh, their actions are speaking louder than their words. And says that they may deserve a title shot, but he will leave it in their hands. And says that at Turning Point, it's going to be AJ Styles versus Bobby Roode versus James Storm. And the man that uh, gets the pinfall will get a title shot. And the man who actually loses will not get a title shot until Back for Glory 2013. Which is a pretty wild stipulation, honestly. In the sense that all three of these guys really should not be losing... I mean, I would probably make the argument that AJ probably could lose and it wouldn't be too much of a bother overall. I mean, considering that Brood is in a spot right now where he sort of reminds me of like the spot that Miz was in for a very long time in WWE, where it's just like they don't know what to do with him besides have him lose for a significant amount of time and Rude is too good of a wrestler to really be in that spot especially considering the work that he's put in this year by having probably his best year overall in terms of both wrestling matches and in terms of his character work and obviously you can't have Storm lose because of the fact that he just uh, beat Rude and he's uh, fought a long way ever since uh, I should say, pretty much right after Bound for Glory last year when he lost the belt. And then you got Styles, who's uh, gone through essentially hell in terms of the storyline with Claire, and he hasn't had a world title shot himself in uh, pretty much a year himself. So it's sort of a weird spot for all three of them, considering that. I would make the argument that really styles would probably be the best prediction to potentially lose and then maybe by the time comes for Bound for Glory next year uh, we could get the uh, internet dream match in a sense of perhaps Austin Aries by the time that match rolls around Aries has regained the TNA title and then styles can win the Bound for Glory series and that sets up styles and Aries for Bound for Glory next year but I'm probably getting my hopes up too much in that sense but Pretty interesting match they booked here, honestly. And then we had Joey Ryan and Matt Morgan walking to the ring. Uh, Morgan said for years TNA has disrespected and ignored his superhuman talent, so instead of waiting for his chance, he stole the ball, and he started to show up whenever he wants just to get attention. But that wasn't good enough. He couldn't get Hogan's attention, and it says that if Hogan made history with the robe that he is now currently wearing, that is nothing compared to what he will do with it. And he will go through the roster one by one and do so until he owns the world title. Joey Ryan then got the mic and says he now usually avoids VDs, but tonight he calls out RVD and will prove that the X division title can be X-rated. Very punny, Joey Ryan here. And we brought out RVD for a non-title match with Joey Ryan. Match was very short. Couldn't really do enough with it. RVD got in some quick moves. RVD went up for the 5-star Frog Splash, um, but Morgan pulled Joey Ryan out of the way, Van Dam crashed the mat, Ryan got up. I uh, rolled up RVD 1 2 3 to get actually a victory over Van Dam. And after the match, they quickly brawled and Morgan took out RVD with the Carbon Footprint. Bit of a weird spot for Joey Ryan right now considering that he just had all the focus on him in terms of the gut check storyline and now it almost seems like he's playing second fiddle to Morgan. When in reality, I felt that it should have been the other way around, with Morgan being Joey Ryan's bodyguard. But it seems like they have some type of plan for Morgan, so we'll see where that goes. We had uh D-Von and uh we saw Devon and Aces and Aids out back preparing for Devon's match. Had advertised that AJ Styles is gonna face Bobby Roode next week, which if given time should be a very good match, as the two usually have with each other. Bully Ray made his way to the ring and he gave shout outs to NYC as and uh, the is are going through the current hurricane and tells him to stay hardcore stay strong and that this is for you calls out Devon because he wants to kick his ass Devon came out alone bully Ray and Devon uh, Ray attempted repeatedly trying to go after Devon but Devon would not get in the ring Ray went outside grabbed a table and slid into the ring and set it up and calls Devon to come in Devon slowly enters but then he backs off again. And he called in the troops and many members of Aces and eights came out to the ring and got in the ring. The match was pretty much thrown out at this point. Ray grabbed a chain and was holding off all the Aces and Aids until we had Angle, AJ, Storm, Chavo and various others came out to have a big brawl in the ring. A typical Aces and Aids brawl. And then uh, it ended up leaving Devon and Ray alone. And Ray dropped Devon with a few punches here and there. He moved the table and he was looking to powerbomb Devon. Ray gets uh, jumped by a member of the gang, uh, preventing that from happening. Till we got Joe Park arriving, and he wanted to fight, but got beaten down. He was uh, starting to fire up, and then he managed to unmask one of the members and revealed Luke Gallows. Uh, to which the crowd really did not react well at all. And, uh, I particularly noticed that in the building. And Gallows managed to choke slam Joe Park through the table that was set up in the ring. And Angle and Sting chased them to the back. And at this point, I believe the show faded to black after Joe Park... Uh, after the show went off-air, Joe Park was helped to the back uh, with the mask in hand. Proud of at least managing to uh, reveal one of the members. So, overall, I mean, it was like... This uh, this brawl in particular was, I would say, better than what the usual brawls have been in the past. If only for the fact that we now have actual advancement in the story. I mean, because this Ace's and Ace story has been going now for a long time. It's been going pretty much now for five months up to this point, and we only knew Devon. It really, I would even question how much they actually had Devon's involvement planned five months ago. And at least we knew that Luke Gallows was going to be a part of it. And we at least do have now him confirmed as a part of the group. And at least overall, again, like I had said at the beginning about this impact, it had much more flow to it. I actually had a lot of storyline advancement because we now have quite a few matches set up for Turning Point, which I will now get into. We now have uh, Austin Aries uh, challenging Jeff Hardy for the world title in a ladder match. We then have the aforementioned Triple Threat, of AJ Rude and Storm, with uh, the winner getting a shot and the loser not being able to get a title shot for basically a year. Uh, we have Chavo Hernandez defending the tag titles against uh, Chris, Christopher Daniels and Kazarian, and we have a no DQ TV title match actually between Samoa Joe and Magnus. Now, on top of that, we have like a few other indicated matches, such as Joey Ryan and Rob Van Dam, more than likely, as well as seemingly Kurt Angle and Devon, more than likely and probably another Aces and Aids match, and probably ODB and Terra for the Knockouts title. So, at minimum, uh, a couple weeks out, we actually have a general direction in terms of where we're going for the pay-per-view. So, overall, thumbs up in that sense. As far as, like, the show itself, there were some entertaining promos tonight in particular. Like, the I thought the open, really the first hour of the show, I thought, had a really good pacing to it between the opening promo, Joe Magnus, uh, Christian York and Zema Ion, the Daniels Kazarian promo. It's just that that ODB, that ODB Jesse Goddard's match really hurt the flow of the show, and then Hardy and uh, Robbie. E, well, not a bad match necessarily uh, out of context. It also really didn't do a lot, and really, it's also uh, pretty weird in the sense of. Uh, not to make uh, a lot of WWE TNA comparisons but uh, a lot of people and uh, of course that watched WWE television earlier in the year very much so complained the world title wasn't getting the main event spotlight when Punk was champion instead Cena got the main event spotlight and seemingly here we had the same issue as we had the top of the hour segment involving Jesse Goddard and ODB with the world title following that well, the Aces and Eights occupied the main event segment, wherein the world title really should be the most important thing. And they and TNA was actually pretty good with uh, making that known, that the world title should be the most important for a, pretty much a good portion of the last year. But ever since the Aces and Eights storyline really picked up, they've really seemed to st- uh, sort of forget about that, which is unfortunate. But, again, overall, some enjoyable stuff tonight, I would say. Uh, Check out the Christian York uh, Zima-Ion match as far as, like, probably the best match of the show. Um, uh, Check out some of the promos as well, particularly probably the Daniels Kazarian promo for some serious hilarity. Um, Probably even, I would even say, maybe even check out the rude uh, Rude AJ promo. And hopefully they have a very good match next week as well, considering that uh, it, that's also a program that really should be a lot bigger than it is, uh, because of the fact that you have Storm and Rude, who uh, uh, just had a very serious blood feud, uh, both of them are gunning for the world title, and then you've got Styles in there, who's seemingly fresh out of uh, seemingly being in, not necessarily limbo, but... So, uh, stuck with, uh, you know, Claire Lynch for as long as he was, and then just going after the tag titles with Daniels and Kazarian, and now that's seemingly done, and he's starting to move on, you now got him potentially back in the world title picture, which is always a good thing, but it really should be something that, uh, both this and the, uh, Aries and Hardy feud should seem bigger than Aces and A's, but unfortunately both of them are playing second and third fiddle. But overall, like I said, an an enjoyable edition of Impact. Uh, Oh, and as far as recommendations go, again, if you really do like bad wrestling, I would probably encourage you to watch Hody and Jesse, but if you cannot stand it, avoid at all costs. So that wraps it up for this particular edition of Be Nice to Impact or Not. I will be back probably at, over the weekend to talk about the Dragon Gate USA shows. As Dragon Gate USA prevent, uh, presents three per views over the weekend, all of which can be seen at WWNLive.com, where you can stream them. Uh, where you can just order the stream for ten dollars. You can order stream and on demand for fifteen dollars, or you can order a stream on demand and DVD of the shows for twenty five dollars each. Uh, If you end up uh, even just getting the streams alone, or the stream uh, on-demand copies, that ends up being less, or even as the cost of Hell in a Cell, which was this past Sunday, which Ben also reviewed, and I would recommend checking that out if you have not done so, as well as our preview for the Dragon Gate USA shows. If you aren't already, you can follow me on Twitter at I underscore M underscore Hollywood. Still looking at getting that name changed, but that's a work in progress. Also, if you aren't already, follow Free Admission on Twitter at, at Free Admission FR for more updates on the Dragon Gate shows, as well as potential audios and other independent wrestling news in the future. Until next time, I am JP Nichols. I will talk to you all again very soon.